We all need a little more glamour in our lives, but for some of us, the glamour is everything. And what can be more glamorous than being a queen for a day, or even every day? Drag's been around for so long. When you look at it from a Western point of view, Britain, I feel, was always a, a big leader of drag. We had Shakespeare, we had theatre, we had all of, all of this stuff, you know. Female parts being played by men and all that stuff. Drag now, what we consider the art form, I think has developed over time. Hello everyone, and welcome back to Ask William and Friends, the podcast. It gives me great pleasure announcing the start of Series 2, and I want to thank each and every one of you for listening, sharing, and subscribing to our series. Our first episode is about glamorous and drag queen realness. I'm thrilled to introduce my first guest, Mr Jake Hall, who is a key player in Oxford's social event scene. He is the founder of Drag and Disorderly. Jake comes from a long line of club promoters from student bodies of Oxford University, and I heartedly confirm that he can definitely throw the best nights where you dance until the sun comes up in the morning. My second colourful and very glamorous guest is one of the stunning queens of the night and early hours, Miss Rusty Kate. Together they run several LGBTQ events across the city of Oxford and recently have branched out to other areas of the country. In this podcast we will discuss the history of drag, what it means to be glamorous lady of the night, and how it is perceived with current trends in the ever-evolving world of LGBTQ and theatrical dress-up. Please do be advised that the content in the podcast will require listener discretion, as always. We do record in real-time locations. Sit back and enjoy the laughter. So, Rusty Kate, glamorous is the topic for this month's podcast, and you being a drag queen, welcome to the show. Thank you, thank you for having me. For our listeners, can you explain to me what a drag queen is? God, that's such an open question. It's so tricky to talk about because drag is such an open art form and it's, it's different to everyone. I think I, I would struggle personally to put a solid definition on it. What I can say is what drag is to me. Exactly. Yeah. And, and to me, drag is, is something that is entirely performative. It's taking this idea of performative gender and it's making it fun. I think for me, what drag really is, is it's not this idea of female impersonation. I've always said this. Um, for me, as a drag queen, I'm never trying to be a woman. What I'm trying to be is an exaggeration of femininity. I'm trying to take this concept and almost take it to Mars, like mm-hmm. completely turn it on its head. And I'm trying to always come at drag from a performance perspective. My number one job is being an entertainer, whether I'm singing or badly dancing, or making a few cock jokes um, at the end of the or day, or a dartboard on, yeah. on my ass, which I've been known to do. <laughs> my, my main job really is to entertain an audience. Over the course of the night, I'll get sweaty, and my face will melt off, and my wig will go lopsided, but at the end of the day, I'm there to, to entertain, and I want people to see me as this, this crazy thing. So, yeah, I just want people to have a good time, really, at one of my shows. So, guys... Obviously, we now are in 2022 and we'll talk about some of the topics that are sort of uh, resonating around the drag world at the moment and uh, right-wing areas. But it started back, obviously, in Victorian times where men dressed as women with, you know, possibly more makeup on than we see these days in our drag queens. How do you see the difference from them times to where it is now? I mean... You know, how is it how is it perceived compared to it was started all that time ago? 
Yeah, I do think, I mean, drag's been around for uh, so long. I mean, when you look at it from a Western point of view, Britain, I feel, was always a, a big leader of drag. We had Shakespeare, we had theatre, we had all of, all of this stuff, you know, parts of... Uh, female parts being played by men and all that stuff. Um, drag now, what we consider the art form, I think has developed over time, um, having influences from, you know, the US and lots of other places, lots of other cultures have these, you know, histories of gender non-conforming, you know, identities and, uh -huh. and all of that sort of stuff. Um, but I, I've always loved the old-fashioned type of British drag, you know, the Danny LaRue, the Lily Savage, the pantomime dame nature of drag, the ridiculous, the camp, the eccentricity, you yeah, know? Yeah, no, Really just being ridiculous. Yeah. I, I love a pantomime dame. That's what I wanted to be when I was nine years old. You know, I wanted to be a man in a dress with a shit ton of makeup on and a nice little beauty spot. And now you're um, living your dream then. And now I'm living yeah. my fucking dream. <laughs> you're welcome. Oh, God. I was going to ask you actually, so when you were at school and you went into the careers office and you said to them, or they said to you, so, Rusty, what is the, the future? What do you want to be? I mean, was it... Was... Uh, well, the street, you know, dancing on the street corner was not exactly um, <laughs> something that was accepted. Um, I'd, I'd, I'd always loved drag. I always thought it was such a great idea. Um, I'd, I'd love the... I always came from a performance perspective. I used to do theatre, musical theatre, music. And the way I like to talk about it is like, oh, if you can kind of act and you can kind of sing and you can kind of do music and kind of do makeup and kind of edit and kind of do promotion and kind of do events, but um, you're not good enough to do any of those things individually, what do you do? You become a drag queen. Oh, that's a really you good are, You are a, a Jack or Juliet of, of all trades. Uh, and you look amazing. Or Thank fantastic. You. Stop it, stop it. Rusty's suddenly gotten sexier. Um, <laughs> I, I don't know how it, it was an accident, I promise. Um. <laughs> so for the UK side, of drag yes. how do you see that it compares to the rest of the world obviously it's bigger in certain countries than others other places it's not allowed um, but for the UK how do you feel we're doing in, in comparison I think we really started mainstream drag in terms of the working men's pubs mm -hmm. you know this this whole it's thing of very round like pubs bars clubs yeah. in the UK probably more than in other countries most I'd definitely. Say, we have such a pub culture. Uh, the US has such a an interesting drag culture of, you know, you have you have the ballroom scene and then you had a lot of the pageantry stuff, um, which is very much about looks and about uh, demure and, and almost um impersonating this vogue model sense mm. of glamour. Whereas I think UK drag has always been an old man puts on a bit of lippy and a bit of mascara, gets up and tells a few jokes, and, and I'd love that. It's more the personality and the personal spirit. Yeah. Like, you, you go to drag show not because that big name drag queen is there, it's the sort of person you're going to meet behind the drag, and that personality they're putting on that night for you, whereas... You go to be entertained. Yeah, yeah. and it, you, it's not scripted, it's not planned, it's off the cuff, and it's... It's just sort of a bit chaotic. It's ridiculous. Yeah. So, so I mean, just popping out of my head here. So, tucking is something that <laughs> is associated with most drag queens. I don't know the ins and outs about it. I have heard that it They're is not the in most rather than out. exactly. Yeah, I've, I've heard it's not always the most comfortable, but you've managed to get used to it. 
you, you know, I I have an innie rather than an outie anyway. I, you know, I just I, I tape up my itty bitty cliddy witty and and get going. Crack on with um, it. No, I'm I'm awful. I'm I'm known for not tucking because yeah, I just know. can't I, be fucked. I, 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 I was biting my tongue now. I'm not going to call you out. Look, I've got I've got some I've got underwear on. I've then got padding. I've then got two pairs of tights. I've then got knickers, and then I've got a dress. It just creates a smooth little thing down there anyway. I'm not going <laughs> to shove my cock inside my arse. Uh, you know, I, I just can't be asked with that. No, absolutely not. I'm also not a dancing queen. I get up, I sing a few show tunes, and I, I make people uncomfortable. It's, <laughs> I mean, I'm not trying to... I'm not massively dedicated to the female illusion, I would say. Well, I've been to many of them, so I can definitely vouch for that. It's very rare to see you perform by yourself, usually, especially with Jake's connections with inside the event side. So you usually have quite a few different drag queens on. Mm. And I always see, you you know, you bounce off each other and sort of get the crowds going. I think on my side, you know, I go to Brighton sometimes and I love the Sunday afternoons at that old uh, hotel, which I think has gone now. Used to be right on the seafront. They used to do drag karaoke on a Sunday I've been in Brighton once. Nice out. Fantastic. It's always such a really good day uh, or the end of a weekend for me, which is usually heavy drinking. (laughs) But what I do not enjoy always is how the drag queens seem to pick out you from a crowd. And I don't know whether it's because we sort of show them a sign that we're shitting ourselves. Yes, Yes, it's like dogs. We smell fear. Okay. Anybody who... The, the person who least wants to be picked on will be, will be the on. one that's picked on. Yes, absolutely. Um, that's why I love, I do I do shows all the time and I, I do like the, the gay venues with lots of drag queens and I also do a lot of solo shows in sort of straighter areas and straight bars and, you know, straight men are terrified at me. I had a comment a few weeks ago, I was, you know, in a smoking area uh, about to go back on stage and this guy and all his girlfriends um, you know, they were like, oh, let's get some good seats. And he was like, oh, can we go? And they were like, no, why would you want to go? And he just he just turned to them and he went, look, I'm not homophobic. I'm just scared. <laughs> and that is, that is exactly why I do drag. It's sort of like, you know, picking on these straight men and uh, taking advantage of the uncomfortable nature of it. It's, it's entertaining. It's good, though, because it opens up those awkward conversations with the sort of straight men who don't go to these kind of shows and just not exposed to any form of queer culture. And then suddenly, like... Oh shit! Got a drag queen running at me, calling me out. I need to think about wh- Suddenly what's I'm, going I'm on. I'm jumping all over I'm, them. I'm I'm playing games with them. I'm getting them up to throw darts at my ass. Or and they will definitely <laughs> remember that night for the rest yeah. of their lives. Whereas like a normal night at the pub, they're not going to remember. Yeah. So, but it is interesting. Also, you know, these big burly boys, and I love the mix of people that now actually go into gay bars and gay clubs. Yeah. You know, I've got lots of straight friends as well. They love the whole glamorous side. They love the music. They love the dancing. But more than anything, they love the environment where they feel very, very safe. The community. We also get a lot of people come to our shows where they'll come in like ones or twos or on the, a lot of the time on their own and they'll literally come because the drag acts, especially the ones we do, where we've got like five or six performers, they'll come in and they'll be greeted by the acts and they'll just suddenly feel at ease mm. and everyone else there because they've had that welcome will then sort of be in that mindset to chat strangers, to welcome into the group. It's definitely so the most social you, night. Yeah, you don't need to go out to a drag show with a group of ten mates. You can, can go on your own or just one other and you'll leave with loads of other friends and loads of other people. 
it's like we had that person message our pe- Facebook page after last drunk disorderly mm, yeah. and she literally all she was saying is about how it was the best night she's ever been to she mm. never felt so welcome in a nightclub and she was slightly older she's sort of in her 40s and most of the people that come to like 18 to 30 for the club nights mm. and she had the best time mm. and we got very rarely you get a message after an event saying I had a great time because people don't do that after a club yeah, night yeah they can't remember it yeah, but. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> And like over the years, I've probably only had that five or six times, and that's really nice to hear. Often, that's the thing I love about drag because mm. they just sort of include everyone, yeah. brings people together. Yeah. Even that, if that is picking on the random bloke at the front, <laughs> who, uh, who actually really loves it. Let's they secretly, it. but they come I've, back all the time. They always they come do. back. I've had, I mean, doing like the the bars with sort of more forty aged, you know, forties, fifties. Um, it's a lot of sort of old straight couples. The num- I've had women crying on me in the smoking area before going, I've not seen my husband come out of his shell like that in years. Mm. They're like, he sits at the pub, he drinks his two to three pints a night, and then he goes home in silence. And like now suddenly, you know, he's sitting on my stage while I'm jumping up and down on him, and he's, you know, laughing. <laughs> and, and it's, just, it's just joyous. It's so much fun. You're enjoying it. On the topic of glamorous and making friends with strangers and coming out of your shell like you haven't done in years, let's talk about Sun for New Mediterranean Voyages. This is an experience that delivers all of the above and much, much more. Seriously, what is more glamorous than yachting through the beautiful blue Mediterranean Sea? I know when I joined in 2021, I felt like I was a king or a queen for the majority of the uh, visit and the other guests on the voyage became really dear friends of mine. There were a few people that came alone, uh, myself included, and a couple or two. By the end of the voyage, we were all family, an international family, visiting from Germany, the UK, the US, Turkey, and the Czech Republic. The world really needs more glamour and more love, the way that Sun Fun You delivers it. We did also have our own fitness instructor on board, but my sorest muscles were by far my cheeks from all of the laughing and smiling. It was a fantastic time, and when leaving the experience following a week at sea, I did shed a tear or two. I will, however, be going back in 2023 with a selection of very, very close friends and family, and I'd love for you to join me. I will be doing the voyage from September the 28th until October the 6th, and this will be the Turkish Riviera voyage, which starts and finishes back in Bodrum. To book, feel free to contact me at www.askwilliam.co.uk and I'll get you booked in alongside us. Until then, anchors away. For Jake, obviously, we've been friends for quite some years now, and um, I first met you, again, when I was working in hotels, and you worked with uh, other friends of ours, sort of running events for the University of Oxford. A lot were the Freshers events, yeah. so they were very, very messy, two weeks of love bites and um, heavy shots. And, drunk and students. Drunk <laughs> students. But now you actually front uh, this events company, Blue, of, uh, Blue Events, um, which runs the event drag and disorderly. Yes, yeah. I obviously follow you on socials and I do get the chance to come to some of your events, but again, the recovery for me tends to be a few days, um, <laughs> so I don't come to them all. Can you tell me a little bit about that? So obviously you were in the events and you've started this yeah. up. What's it all about? So originally it was just, I started doing events. I was doing pre-pandemic, post-pandemic, which was just student club nights. And we used to run just a drag karaoke night. 
Then when it was table service, we wanted to put something more together because there was so little going on. So we sort of put got a few drag queens we worked with and just put on a drag night. And to be honest, we weren't expecting it to take off as big as it did. It was kind of like, let's see if this works in Plush. And it just went down amazingly. So then it sort of all evolved a lot quicker than we thought it would. We've had, like, Rusty had her first gig with us and then we just had more and more people want to get into drag. And the other queen we work with, Felicity Suxwell, is really keen and happy to help other other drag queens get involved. What a name. <laughs> what a name. <laughs> get involved and get into drag, which is often quite hard because they won't. Uh, a lot of queens won't help other people sort of get into the industry. Why um, is that? I think a lot of queens struggle to get gigs. Um, and they're also... Because it's the nightlife industry and it, it, it's all... They can lose a gig overnight almost. You can have like a Saturday residency and if the manager or the owner of the bar goes, oh, I don't want drag anymore, you lose that income. So yeah. I think a, a lot of... big personalities. A big personalities and there's sort of a lot a lot of shows, just solo shows, or you do your set, someone does theirs. Because what we do is merge it all together. Just to let you know, unfortunately, my uh, fabulous neighbours uh, next door to where I live are actually having some work done to their fabulous new house. And also, <laughs> I live next to an army base, um, so you'll be able to hear aeroplanes and helicopters. So I do apologise, but as I've said before, we do record in sort of real-time locations, so hopefully uh, it doesn't impact it too much. So you started yeah. the events company to sort of help with the fact of having constant gigs with a selection of That's drag queens together. That's what we're now. So we, had, we were just doing like drag shows, sort of the old style way, which had one or two drag acts on. And then we had loads of students want to get into drag. And Felicity was really happy to help sort of get, get them ready, sort of tell them how to perform and just sort of have real low commitment and sort of just have one number try it, see if they enjoy it, and then nine times out of ten they do, and then they go back, come back, and prepare two or three numbers, and then over the space of six months to a year, we've got a couple of acts now who are sort of go. well, Rusty's gone full-time, got another one called Shroom, and she's pretty much full-time drag, and she started with us a year ago, but it kind of sort of start off with hold their hand into drag with all the other acts we've got, and then they're now helping other acts come into it, and it's sort of like... It's a little family. A little gay fucked up family. It's going so well in Oxford and we've got so many drag acts that are sort of progressing. The, when I, I used to work for a big nightclub chain called Stonegate and the managers I used to work with there are now like, oh, you're doing this in Oxford. Can you come to me and do that for me? We started last week in Cheltenham and just weird locations. So Norfolk, Kings Lynn we've gone to and all the acts we've got are now wanting happy to travel. And it's kind of just exploded into this big thing organically. It's just great. I don't, I don't really know how it's happened so quick. Like a year ago, we were just doing shows in Oxford. And then last week, we had three different venues. How do you feel that drag has changed? Obviously, we've been very, very privileged to be able to have some fantastic shows launched over the last five to ten years without reeling all of them off. I mean, RuPaul is one of the biggest ones. It came to the UK also over the last two to three years, I think. We've also had some really hit TV shows it's a sin was the UK version, I think, and then the one in New York was Pose, Pose, Pose. was absolutely mm. off the you know off the chain for me. I absolutely love that. How do you see it has changed as a result of this? You know, as it brought yeah. people's attention to it more, um, are people more accepting? How how do you feel it, it's come across uh, in the industries that you are in? I think these sort of mainstream TV shows that are sort of bringing it to the forefront. It's helped a lot with sort of straight venues 
so I keep saying straight, just normal pubs and clubs, essentially. Yeah. Um, but that's, people now are exposed to it, they, they enjoy the TV shows that, oh, I, I would go and see. So when your local pub has a games night with a drag queen on, or has a karaoke night, or, or just performances or shows that, are, oh, I'll go and check that out. And now it's kind of snowball, especially post-pandemic, I think. Loads of people sat at home watching RuPaul season two, I think it was. People don't want to go back to business as usual. No. They want something new and fresh, and something that entertains just them. The whole industry of like late night and bars and clubs, people don't want to just go they want high quality events, they want they want some they want to when they're buying drinks, buying food and going to these places, they don't just want to sit in a pub every Friday like they normally do. They want that extra entertainment. Mm-hmm. So they don't mind paying extra for drag shows and it's such an accessible thing to put into these venues as well. Yeah, yeah. I will always say Drag Race has been the biggest blessing and the biggest curse to drag. It's made drag in the UK mainstream again and exploded it, you know, far beyond what it was in the 70s, 80s, 90s. But um, it's also limited massively what people consider to be drag. I also don't like the side of it, though, where in order to be a successful drag queen in the UK, the whole mentality of a lot of the acts we work with is, I need to go on RuPaul. You don't. You can be a successful drag queen without going on TV. Mm. Your success isn't based off of a TV show. It's based on how you're, how you are as a performer, how your, your interaction goes, and how much you enjoy it. And that's kind of like the sort of end game. And it's once you go on RuPaul, you get these amazing gigs. After, but then what's next? Because there's that whole mentality. I get on RuPaul. I'm done now. I've, I've made it as a drag queen, yeah. and that's. Uh, it's slightly toxic, I think, because it. So you we- should build your own brand, build your own image. And you can do it on your own without those shows. How important is it then, on that note, I used to watch all of the the series with my uh, previous partner, and so it was relentless that we would watch the next show, next show. But with RuPaul, just, you know, not going off the track too far, but you get traditionally a real mix of talent so whether it's a singing element whether it's the makeup whether it's making clothes i mean is that still a big thing for people now i mean should you be able to use a singer show no. sewing machine play to your strengths uh, yeah it's like you, you as a drag performer you don't if you can't sew a dress you wouldn't necessarily go out and learn how to cause you don't need to for you can buy your them, show you yeah. can buy them but if you want to you can mm. um if you can't if you're not a lip sync queen and you go on RuPaul, you're then dancing across the stage. That's not what you're good at if you're a live singer mm. or you're more of a comedy queen. You see that? You, you it, see and that's the... like, I don't, that, that's the bit that sticks to me because you're trying to make drag, you have to be good at all, all these of things, it. but you shouldn't. Uh, yeah, like, yeah, you yeah. are your own performer. You should be good at what you, and ex- show, express and show yourself because it is art in the ways that you want to, not mm-hmm. everything. Mm-hmm. You see the queens on Drag Race and you make all these opinions about them on the show and then you watch them live and you go, oh shit, they have so many other talents and so many yeah. other things that you, don't get to that see you have show. no idea. Yeah. And this is what I mean by putting drag in a box, in that there's, it's so, the format is so limited and I think the main thing you've got to remember while watching something like RuPaul is that it is first and foremost, a reality television show. Mm -hmm. It is not there to be a competition. It's not there to decide who is the best drag queen. Mm. It's, at the end of the day, to entertain. And the people behind these drag characters and the people that put on these drag shows are before and after RuPaul. That's their bread and butter. What, What they do well is entertaining an audience and regardless of what you thought of them on the show, they will have their own strengths in the real world and would be putting on a show. Yeah. And it's still glamorous. Of course. It's a glamorous job. Of course. Going back into the theme. (laughs) (laughs) Go back into the theme.
Just going on to another topic, the drag queen storyteller, Ada HD, is obviously going around and teaching young people um, and doing lots of uh, public speaking and sort of trying to build awareness. Mm. Um, now, it hasn't been overly received well on certain levels as a result of, you know, right wing this. People all have their opinions. How do you see things? You know, it's not for everyone. We know that. We know it's not for everyone. We'd like to think that we've moved on in 2022. But I just had a conversation while we were waiting for a driver earlier. And, you know, it's still widely, widely around uh, people's uh, perception of how disgusting it is and actually how violent people are being towards one uh, drag queens, but also the whole LGBTQ community. Yeah. Is this an issue still? You you see it every day. How, mm-hmm. how do you, yeah. you know? I think it's what you've got to remember about these protesters. I mean, the Drag Queen Story Hour thing was really interesting. You see, it's a very small but very vocal minority. And that is the key thing yeah. to remember. When we did the counter-protests, you know, we, we tripled the numbers of people that yeah. were against it. There is much more support. It's just that people often support passively and oppose actively. Yeah. For the listeners, though, that may be not aware of it, can mm-hmm. you just shed some light on, on what, what it is they're doing? What are they trying to to bring forward to uh, raise awareness? So what Drag Queen Story Hour is, is that's obviously a brand that's owned by Ada HD, a wonderful drag queen, but there are also just other Drag Queen Story Hour um, events all around the UK. And it's just drag queens going into local libraries and reading stories to kids. It's about being fun. It's this pantomime damey drag. We've had drag for kids for years and years and years and it's only now with a lot of the transphobia in the media and that sort of thing that I think drag queens reading to kids is just one of these clear examples that protesters um, who have a variety of interesting views can just latch onto Mm. and spout so much horrible vulgar disgusting like lies and just utter shite. I mean, without going into the sort of stuff that they do chant and, you know, it is completely, it is disgusting. But equally, you know, they take their children to the pantomime at Christmas to see the dame who then is performing in a show towards and selling telling a story. You know, it's, it, you know, it, I understand if they don't take them, fine, that's their views, but I'm sure that they do. It, it comes from queer phobia, I think. They, they attack drag queens because... Drag queens may also do adult comedy shows. Um, they may also, behind the scenes, be gay and have sex lives. At the end of the day, all adults are also adults behind closed doors. No children's entertainers live as children's entertainers their entire lives. No parent lives as a parent their entire life. You know, once the kids go to bed, they have sex, they swear, they drink, they have fun, they go to raunchy comedy shows. You know, it's queer phobia at the end of the day. Because drag is so wide, you, you can have, as you said, drag acts doing stuff, reading to kids, and then also working in pubs and bars in the evenings. And then they're finding parts of their show. And also some drag acts have from different personas. They'll like they'll have their persona for reading to kids and then they'll find their other persona, which is different brand, different image, and then try and say that that's not okay that they're saying and doing this to kids. They're not. It's Absolutely. completely different crowds, different mm. audiences. They're reading kids' stories to children. Yeah. Like that, the drag like queens aren't, of, aren't going to these kids' shows and doing a full, you know, two-hour raunchy comedy set. No, but, yeah. <laughs> they're they're, they're yeah. reading, you know, Three Little Pigs and, <laughs> and The Big Bad Wolf. They're not, you know, doing these ridiculous yeah. comedy so shows. So it is just... It is phobia. 
It absolutely because I think it's 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 a double <clears throat> standard because straight people are you know think about everyone that works with kids, teachers, children's TV presenters, childminders. All of these people are adults that do adult things outside of their working with kids but as soon as it's put in a queer context it's wrong mm. and i think it's such a clear double standard that it's it's just being used drag is the poster child for transphobia queerphobia a variety of other horrible conspiracy theories and just far-right bollocks mm. i mean have either of you experienced this sort of level of hate on a personal level before I've had venues where I turn up and there's about two teeth in the audience and people tell me they're going to punch me, they push me, they toss me about. And, uh, you know, my job is to make the show go on and and Mm. have fun. But there is still quite a lot of hate. Years ago, and I never will forget it, nor have I ever managed to thank the person that did it. So I um, I went to the Old Plush, which was down at the train station, and it was just a normal Friday night, I think. I can't remember exactly if it was Friday, Saturday. And I think I was meeting friends, and I was at the bar, and there was a group of guys behind me. And, you know, it is all integrated, and that's what's lovely about it, because you're there to have a great time, and a lot of straight guys go because they know... Uh, or the ladies especially, there's going to be no issue. No one's hitting on them, (laughs) traditionally. (laughs) But I remember being stood at the bar ordering a drink and someone hit me on the head with a plastic bottle, I think, Um, and I turned around and there was a group of guys there. Anyway, I sort of shrugged it off and was ordering some drinks and then something happened behind me where the bouncer, which was on a podium, the the stage used, or the speaker, DJ booth used to be as you came in on the right, Something had happened with my back turned and this bouncer had tackled the guy and what had happened was he was going to glass me with something from behind, oh, so he tested it. Now, the guy had dragged this guy out of the club t- doing his job, which was protecting people with inside, and I didn't think anything else of it until I was leaving a few hours later and I went outside and actually the bouncer had been glassed in the face protecting what was going to meant for me... Um, and from what I understood, he lost one eye as a result of doing his job. Oh, my God. But it was all... What what resonated at the time was, like, you know, one, I was fine. Two, it could have been a completely different story for me. But three, this poor guy that was just getting paid his salary to protect people, you know, had lost his eye. I never managed to find out who the guy was in the end to, to sort of say thank you. But one minute you're feeling fine and it's an, a really enjoyable environment yeah. and they're taking the security very, very well and you've screened people coming in. Mm. But it can change. You know, some people just go out for this, I, you know. Yeah, because I've had that before, just clubbing nowhere near as bad as that, just out clubbing, having a good night and then someone calls you a faggot mm. out of nowhere and that just instantly ruins your night and there's no way controlling because it's still out there. It, people are it, always looking for trouble. Yeah, but if it, you're a, a drag queen, you can you can react <laughs> oh, to that I in a positive. I can yeah. say something much worse and much quicker <laughs> and much funnier. Yeah. And that is, that is um, the key to being a successful drag queen, I feel. I love a heckler. <laughs> turning it back onto itself and then having the audience back under your control. Absolutely. And, yeah. How do you feel about people that really react to a negative? One can be to do with the fact that maybe it was their upbringing, but two, you know, is there a lot behind it because they're struggling with their own sexuality sometimes, do you feel, or they don't have enough resources to be able to understand what they're going I, through? I kind of I understand that, but people, they still need to be decent human beings about it. Like, yes, if you're not comfortable with yourself and inside, that's 
understandable, but don't outwardly then project it on people. So I wouldn't. It probably is the case, but would never take it as an excuse. Mm-hmm. That and the kind of environments we have at our shows, I've, I've had probably over 10, 20 people in the last year just sort of say, the smoking out when they're drunk, be like, oh, I think I might be bi, I think I might be gay, acting in the right ways around the right people, especially when they've got drag acts on. And I had it on Thursday as well. Yeah, yeah. there, there is... You, there the is, positive side of it, not the... Do, they, do you just say, have one more shot and see how you're feeling? No. <laughs> I finish at four o'clock in the morning. <laughs> that, so. is, that is not... Honestly, no. I've been hit on many times <laughs> in drag and, and I'm like, you know... Baby, my eyebrows are glued down. My lashes till they come are, off. are coming. You know, they're about a metre in front of my face. I've got a corset on and padding. <laughs> you look and glamorous, but you do sweat. not feel it. Exactly. I look glamorous until you take off all the layers and you go, oh, my God, that's one sweaty man oh, underneath there. undo drag queens' corsets and the sweat. Uh, mm. Yeah. But I do think there is a trope of the whole internalised homophobia and a lot of homophobia coming from people who, you know, are struggling with their own sexuality. And while that is something that I think can be true in some cases, I think is also quite a damaging trope because it's going into this sort of, like, gay-on-gay crime, you know? Mm. At the end of the day, I think there is... Hatred always comes from fear. Um, And whether that fear is internal and fear about yourself or whether that fear is just of the unknown, um, I I don't think it, it really matters. For people listening, then, and fear is, you know, is a big part of it... What is there out there to, to to help with this? You know, I mean... Drag queens. <laughs> drag queens. I see now um, on socials, for instance, you know, TikTok, everyone's starting a lot younger. I mean, I came out as, uh, you know, young to my mum. I think I was maybe 13, 12, 13, and my mum says, you know, I've known all my life, son, you know, wearing my clothes and <laughs> shoes and Trying things like that. Yeah, I've got a pair of, you know, 10-inch heels in there. I always keep them just to remind myself. Well, they kill my feet, but, um, but you know. But what is there out there that, that, that people can, can find to sort of help them with whatever they may be going through? I don't know. I think the internet's been a brilliant thing to help people find community. If you come from a, a little seaside town in the northeast, I come from Manchester, council estate in Manchester, and it's, it's one of those things where... Um, I think now we're no longer limited to geography. We're no longer limited to the small village mind um, of, you know, the places we grow up. And some people grow up in big cities and see the big world, and some people grow up in very Mm. small towns Mm. that don't have a lot of life experience and and the people around them aren't aren't very accepting or don't fully understand what the real world is like. You can find those like-minded people around you and find those spaces around you. Yeah. Um, You have this trope of, you know... years ago of, of a gay you know all the gays moving from these small little towns into the big cities of London and Manchester mm. and and you know the, the queerest folk style um, coming of age gay it's a great experience. show great show but I think now people are starting younger because they have the internet you mm. know they're, they're finding like-minded people online mm. um, but you still have this this community of people you know turning 18 moving into a new city mm. and and seeing what the real world is really like and that's still wonderful and it's it's wonderful to see like it's fresh this week at the minute yeah. to see these people come in and see the drag shows and and <clears throat> see you know watching them being brought into a whole new world mm. I think it's also very important to uh, just mention you know we're v- so fortunate that we live in Oxford and Oxfordshire um, but the University <coughs> of Oxford are so supportive with inside the LGBTQ community. You know, there is flags flying left, right and centre. There Mm. is a really big sort of student body that supports this uh, in Oxford in general. Yeah. And um, that's down to the student body, I think. Is it? Yeah. yeah there's a lot of there's yeah. a lot of fighting behind the scenes. 
the the reason why there's all those flag zappers because there have been meetings after meetings. I see. Bodies okay. The LGBT sock forks. Yeah. I see. Exactly. Yeah. It's um it's a constant fight with the university to be recognised and to be supported. So I am corrected on that, <laughs> listeners. I am corrected, but equally I love to see that flag flying. So thank you, student Absolutely. unions, which is really good. I. Personally, uh, I have quite a red complexion, so I use a selection of light makeup, usually. Um, Charlotte Tilbury uh, uh, Healthy Glow is one of them, uh, if anyone's listening. But for a drag queen, um, and I know from a previous relationship the amount of work that goes in to make a flawless look. Um, where did <laughs> it start know. for you? Oh, is it not? No, it started, for me it started... Because um, you've got to learn this, surely. You do, you do. It comes over time. I mean, I was looking at my makeup recently and comparing it to photos two years ago and oh my god yeah. two years ago I looked like you know a, a background creature in Lagrinstein <laughs> yeah um, but you know I, I, it started with me raiding boots um, and the NYX cosmetics section and now you know you pick up products every time that you like I mean my I've just got a new foundation uh, called <laughs> Il Maquillage which that's I'm how you do your maquillage yeah. wonderful I it's love it on a three it. month order it's fantastic yes really it's good. brilliant yeah, yeah. Uh, but you do just pick up these little tips and tricks from the internet from other drag queens from just practicing over time um, and eventually you stop looking like a monster <laughs> when, when's that going to happen for you? I know fingers <laughs> crossed soon <laughs> <laughs> Although you were going to a show on early this week, weren't you? When the taxi driver was like, I don't know whether you're a man or a woman. Yes, I did get a funny comment. It was, I was, you know, getting into a show, I got into a cab and I could see he was clearly skirting around the question of like, what are you? <laughs> and he was like, you know, I think it, he thought I was a woman because he saw my feminine face. I didn't have the wig on, but I had a full face of makeup and was in a dress. Um, and he was like, ooh. Um, and then I spoke and was like... Hey, thanks. <laughs> he was like, oh, no, what's going on? <laughs> oh, God, ah, do I put my dick in it? Who knows? Oh, God. Um, God. Um, but, yeah, no, I had a few comments, and he was, yeah. he was like, what is a drag queen? I don't even know. He was like, I see these um, these scary-looking things wandering the streets of Oxford. <laughs> He's, um, you know, seven-foot-tall glamazons, I guess. <laughs> glamazons. Yeah. Um, not but, at five in the morning, they're not. Oh, absolutely not stumbling oh. home in, those, in one heel. <laughs> so... Listeners, you know, I think it's important to understand we've we've spoken about quite a few different parts on this uh, podcast today. But, you know, the main element of a show like Drag Queens or any sort of uh, uh, club is to really have fun. Um, You know, you go with the intention that you're going to leave absolutely overjoyed with the fact that you've had the best night and you just can't wait to come back to it. So, you know, there are obviously not always positive elements to it, but we'd like to think that 99% of the time it is the, uh, the, the glamorous of, uh, of being a drag queen and the show that they sort of put forward for, for everyone that's, that's visiting and, and sort of enjoying it. So Absolutely. what would you share with listeners that may be feeling that they want to get into this? Because I think it's important, Rusty, to maybe mention that you've been doing it for almost two years now. Yeah. Um, it was always something that was on your mind. Mm, I mean, yeah. you, get, you sort of explain that. I mean, you just talking about, you know, the glamorous side of being a drag queen, I would say, I think that the job of a drag queen is to make everyone else feel like they're in a glamorous environment. Yeah. The job of a drag queen is to make the show go smoothly, everyone enjoy it. We can have, I mean, Jake and I know, we can have the most dreadful night and we think everything's gone wrong, but, yeah. the, the, you know, and we're going, oh my God, heads in hands, but the audience come out and go, that was the best night of my life. Um, And our job is to make it go smoothly and as much as it's not glamorous behind the scenes, um, it's glamorous when you're on stage. When we get these new drag acts and performers in, it's like explaining to them, it's almost better when things go wrong because the show ends up taking different turns and it's just getting that confidence. Oh, 
shit, everything's gone to wrong. The DJ's not brought his charger or the photographer's cancelled or music's not playing. And mm. One of my balls pops out. Yes. Um, <laughs> drag queens are always late, so um, they're sort of turning up 30 seconds before they're meant to perform. And uh, we're like, yeah. shit, shit, I've, I've been announcing you? them on the mic, ready yeah. for them to strut on as they're running through the club, <laughs> having just got on the cab. <laughs> How does it feel to be able to be openly a drag queen with people supporting your decision? Harrowing. No. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I love it. I mean, um, it, it's always been an interesting one with uh, family because I think I, I obviously moved away to a new city, away from all my family, and it was always sort of like, you know, I'd wanted to do drag, but it was one of those things that's not really spoken about. Um, and then suddenly now I'm... I, I can't open Facebook without seeing my bloody face covered in makeup everywhere. Yeah, um, you're welcome. I, I like to ask Yeah, you thanks. <laughs> and so, and you know, now everyone, um, all my you know friends and family back home see it, and it's you know the support I think has been think... absolutely wonderful. So you, the, the family do support your decision. Yes. Yeah, they nice. do now. Yeah. Nice. It also helps having that that sort of team of queens and kings around you as well that will sort of potentially had similar kind of issues. Some, some people's family don't like that they're, do, that people are doing drag, that their kids are doing drag, but equally they don't like the fact that their children are queer as yeah. well. So it's not the fact they're doing drag and stuff, but having that sort of team around you and other queens and kings, I think really helps with it. And sort of like pushes you forward to keep going. So if it's something you enjoy, at the end of the day, you should pursue it. If it's mm-hmm. something you want to get into, you should find a way. If you don't like it after one show, or you don't like them, you start. It's not for stop. everyone. <laughs> it's not for everyone. We've had people do like, I really want to become a drag queen. We say, come and do one number at a show, help them get into it. They finish that. Like, not for me. Mm, That's yeah. they, mm, but it's mm. giving that was, that was a fun opportunity. That was, yeah. I had a great time, but I, I, it's, yeah. I'm not interested in doing that every mm. week. <laughs> it's a community, and it's it's sort of expanding upon that and giving opening that door for for people. Yeah. Is there anything that you guys would, you know, or you'd like to put forward or to our listeners? Um, you know, this is an opportunity for you to talk about something that you'd like to maybe share. Yeah, yeah. definitely. When you were talking about sort of people getting into drag, um, obviously we started with Blues Events Drag and yeah. Disorderly, and that was this grassroots drag campaign basically to, to help people get into it and shouting train them me across a smoking area that shouting is, that give is, me gigs yes that is how we met yeah <laughs> I was I, I'd been wanting to get into drag for a while I'd planned a few shows pre-pandemic and then they got cancelled with Covid and then just as things were starting up again I'd heard about this you know events manager Jake and you harassed me on Facebook I, I, I didn't harass you I sent you two messages <laughs> to which you didn't respond after a month and I kept seeing you in the pub oh, so he does that to everyone yes oh, not to you so then I I, I saw him in the pub, it's probably about two years ago now, and we, we kept bumping into each other in the pub. You kept calling me the wrong bloody name because you were too you? drunk. Simon or something oh, I don't drink her, that's really out of character. <laughs> but you kept coming over, stealing my stealing my lighter, or calling me Archie or whatever, and I was like, Jake, I'm Charlie, <laughs> Rusty, um, <laughs> give me a fucking gig. Um, and then we, we sat down, we had a meeting, and, and now here we are yeah. now. We've launched a business together. Yeah. Um, so we've launched a business called Festo Talent Group. Um, we realised we were getting opportunities to run events all over the UK for drag. You know, we've been taking the queens we know in, in Oxford and around Oxford to these venues, but we're, we're getting so many opportunities. We want to try and encourage local drag yeah. talent wherever um, we're going. Yeah, well, that's really yeah. good. And it's, it's better for that local scene. We can bring our this really big drag scene now in Oxford, but we can, we can take them up and down the country, but that's not good for the local drag scene. We need the local drag acts to be 
sort of creating their own scenes it'd be different in every town and city and they need to put their mark on it mm, so same. what we want to do is find when we get these gigs up in Leeds Manchester Sheffield wherever build, comes in build is get the queens there then they can go and do the gigs and mm. we can help them build the scene that they want in those towns that sounds cool so that's the idea of Vesto Talent mm. Group so we're, we're trying to build a roster of, of queens kings and ridiculous drag things all around the country mm. um, people that are incredibly talented mm. some people are very experienced some people are just starting out yeah. And we want to try and bring them together and help them make a local scene near them and get them gigs that they wouldn't be yeah, getting before. And it's not about creating, doing gigs that they want just for the money. So like, oh, it's karaoke, do that. It's fine that we ask them 101 questions of what they actually do. So like some drag queens DJ as well. So what, we try, what I'm trying to do with another promoter is do like a drum and bass drag nights, which is something that ne- never has never happened realistically in club nights before. And it's trying to find those gigs for these queens and kings that are for them kind of thing it's mm-hmm. not just sort of getting random clubs and bars and just filling a, a gap in their night schedule it's about like, trying like, to connect drag queens in their area with and, with other queens other kings other yeah. performers other venues and and, and try and help yeah. them build a scene and we can like put them in such venues and promoters in their area to do what they want if they tell us we'll then try our hardest to get exactly what they need last question from me there is Obviously, some legendary drag queens out there. We've touched upon a few. The UK. Rusty K. <laughs> Rusty K. Oh, thank you. Uh, Felicity Suxwell. With the old school drag queens, with the new age drag queens, obviously, you're all in it for, for the same outcome, which is to entertain, to be flamboyant, glamorous, uh, over the top, which we absolutely love. You know, is there a collaboration between generations? Absolutely. So I think this is one of the things with Drag Race. um, It's it's bringing up a new era of drag. But you still have this very old school, um, very British style of drag. Mm. You know, the pantomime dame. um, Fish and chips. The fish and chips, the ridiculous stuff. And I think it's lovely to see British drag queens, people that are into the old school stuff, people that are more experimental and doing brand new things and really exploring identity and performance and you can have someone doing an, an abstract performance piece and then someone getting on stage with a bit of lippy and singing Sweet Caroline and at, at the end of the day it's somehow, it somehow it makes a brilliant show yeah. and it's better when you've got all these different varieties you know you don't just want to hear pop songs lip syncs lip syncs you want to see and hear all this crazy stuff mm. you don't you don't want to know what's coming next it's variety yeah for anyone that hasn't been to a drag show yet what would your advice be or what would you say to them go get your ass in a seat give a drag queen a fiver tuck it in their bra and have a fucking good time yeah. <laughs> that is what I would say oh, you well, will never forget your first drag show never amazing. never amazing thank you both for coming to our glamorous edition of the podcast uh, Jay congratulations um, again it's so lovely seeing your sort of progression with inside the industry of events I can't wait to come to more of your um, drag nights. I think the next one is in Cheltenham, which I might pop up and see. And Rusty Kate, again, with your development, I'm a massive fan of yours. Thank you for for your time. Thank you so much for having us. Thank you all so much for listening to our first episode of Series 2 Ask William and Friends. I hope you've loved it as much as we enjoyed making it with the glamorous Rusty Kate and gorgeous Jake Hall. Please do let me know your thoughts and subscribe to the series. Feel free to share with friends and family also. Our next episode will be festive and it will feature a fantastic guest as always. I am excited to think that you will be with us, so please, please do stay tuned. 
You can find us at Spotify, Apple Music, or wherever you get your podcasts. Anchors away, and thank you again. <laughs>